Hello and welcome to You Just Got Homeschooled. This is RJ. Um, today I want to talk about why it's important that dads get involved with homeschooling. Um, oftentimes in our society at least, it seems that dads are portrayed in the media and everywhere else seemingly as being somewhat aloof, um, being more interested in their sports on TV or doing other things than being engaged in their kids' lives. And you know, I, I hope that's not the case in your home. Um, if it is, I, I encourage you to send your husband um, to this podcast and have him listen, because I think it's incredibly important for our kids to recognize that their dad cares, that they're involved, that they want to, to know their kids and be involved in their lives. And I don't think it's across the board. I mean, like, I know in society, that's often what we see, but I have younger kids, like, especially my boys, and they love to watch YouTube channels and almost all the YouTube channels they love to watch that have to do with like kids, like other kids, um, it's actually the dad that plays the, the biggest role in the filming or at least like the interaction with the students or the kids, I mean. And so um, I think it's incredibly important that we kind of work against this idea in society that men are dumb, that men are aloof, that fathers are, you know, they're kind of like just open their wallet and hand their kid money or um, you know, go bug your mom, or even the idea that, like, uh, my friend and I, we meet regularly and we we talk about various things. But one of the things that we've seen and, and what we're going through, we're actually going through a book together, and um, the book that we're reading is is I think it was written in the early '90s, and just the the perception that this book has is that husbands or men in general go to work, they get up in the morning, they go to work, they work all day, they come home. They say next to nothing to their spouse or to their kids when they come home. They walk in the door. At some point, they sit down, they eat dinner, then they go into the living room or the family room or the den or wherever, and they kick up their feet, they turn on the TV, and they stay there until they go to bed. And that deeply saddens me um, for multiple reasons. One, because that's not being a very good husband or father, and two, um, it's not going to be any surprise to me when your kids then act out later on. So I think that it's important that the dads, to the best of their ability, are involved in their kids' education. Now, that doesn't mean that they sit, stand up there and teach a lesson or that they um, are in the day-to-day -day decision-making process necessarily, because in some cases, it's just not viable for that to happen. Maybe dad's in the military and is gone for long stretches of time. Maybe um, he works long hours or inconsistent hours, or he works um, at a shift that is not uh, helpful when it comes to actual educating the kids. But it doesn't mean they have to be uninvolved, because the wonderful part about being a dad is that um, there's actually a lot of science to back up the importance of fatherhood. Uh, and, and the importance of fatherhood on a kid. And if it's not a biological father, then um, some father figure is incredibly important, and for both boys and girls. So, um, I mean, I have never really dug into this deeply as a course of study, but it, it has shown up repeatedly throughout my interaction or study of other things. Um, one of the classic examples is there was, and this has to do with animals, so it's a little bit, it seems a little bit far-fetched, but it actually makes sense given the context and society that we live in. And we can see it to some degree in various um, demographics within our society. So, for example, um, they had a problem, I want to say it was in the 80s or 90s, with 
uh, adolescent male elephants killing rhinos in Africa. So they would just run around and kill rhinos. And they tried everything to stop this. They tried, you know, various forms of operant conditioning. They tried, you know, doing whatever they could, just separating them. It didn't work. Someone finally came up with a bright idea of introducing a bull elephant, like an adult mature bull elephant. And they did that. And what it did is it actually solved the problem because the adult bull elephant kind of like stepped in and was like, this is not appropriate behavior. And that sounds far-fetched, right? And it sounds a little bit weird. But we see this in society. We see higher rates of incarceration, uh, lower rates of academic success in demographics where there's not a, a father figure um, around, especially not around in the home. And this bears out in other areas. Um, statistically speaking, the safest place for a kid is in their biological father's home. Now, again, that's statistically speaking. That's not saying that every home, that's not saying that, you know, anything else, that's just saying statistically speaking. On average, if you take a kid, the, the safe kids are more likely to exist in their biological father's home than in any other piece thereof, right? So their biological mother's home, their grandfather's home, their anything. Um, and so that's an interesting thing to think about when we're talking about schooling, especially when we're talking about schooling in a context where media tells us one thing and stats tell us something different. And so I think it's important that the dads be involved. I think I've repeated that five or 10 times now. Um, but what that looks like changes. For example, um, one of the greatest things a dad can actually do with his kids, especially when they're younger, like obviously when you're getting the teenager years, it's a little bit different. But when they're um, basically, you know, toddler to probably 10 or 12 is kind of the, the roughhouse play. Now, obviously, it can be taken too far, but what uh, science has borne out with this is that it's important from the standpoint of it's in those contexts that children learn um, a version of self-control in the sense that they learn that there is an appropriate time and place to use their physical strength or their physical bodies. Um, this is particularly important for boys, but it's also important for girls because um, it, it actually helps both of them feel safe, knowing that dad can, but that he doesn't do something. But it also teaches them self-restraint in the sense that um, fathers tend to interact differently. And so what ends up happening is, is you can play and be roughhousing, but there is a line that isn't to be crossed, right? When someone gets hurt, it's that kind of mentality. When someone gets hurt, the line hasn't to be crossed. And... The kids really want to engage in the play and they don't want to be pushed out of the play. But when dad says that's too far, that then teaches them, oh, there's a there's a, a line that I can't cross. Um, it's not OK to hurt people and I will be banished from the fun if I cross that line. And the same thing goes with other things, um, the way that men and women relate to their children is obviously vastly different. But like, for example, um, I heard the kind of the analogy once when a kid goes and he plays, you know, he plays in a soccer game and he misses the goal. Typically, not exclusively, again, typically a mom will be like, that's OK, you'll get it next time. And dads will do something different. They won't come at it in the same way. It's not about emotionally supporting the kid as much as it is as and they will still emotionally support the kid. Um, but it's more of a. Yeah, you know, you mess that up. It's okay, you know, you'll get it next time. 
what can we do next time? Like, what do you think you could have done differently in order to make the shot, in order to get around that defender, in order to trick the goalie? And so um, it's just a different approach to the same problem. And they're both incredibly important. Um, A mother or a, a female figure will oftentimes come in and emotionally support a child and say, it'll be okay, everything's going to be fine, and kind of give um, the child that, that unconditional love, right? That kind of that mindset that, that I am loved by my mom and my mom thinks I'm special, and that's a good thing. And then dad will come in and say, yeah, you're special, but how are you going to be better? Right? How are we going to work through this? Um, I do this with my daughter when she shuts down. Um, I, my wife will typically walk away. She doesn't like to handle the shutdown version. Um, I, on the other hand, will not, sh- you know, I won't let her shut down or I'll let her start to shut down. But then I will kind of poke and prod verbally and to some degree physically at times um, and not allow her to just give up on something and walk away. Because I think that it's valuable for her to learn to push through things that are difficult. You know, things are going to be hard. Life is not always, you know, roses and sunshine. Sometimes it's hard. And I've said this to many classes and I've said this to many parents, like at the end of the day, you have to wash your own dishes, right? When you're an adult, you have to clean your bathroom. And there's gonna be things you don't like doing that you have to do. And, And that's where fathers come in, in the sense that they can come in afterwards. Maybe the day is done, the school day is done, and the kid had a rough day with math. And maybe dad can come in and explain it differently. Or maybe he can come in and be like, you'll get it next time. You know, what do you think? Where do you think you were struggling with that? Um, they can also, you know, engage physically. They can take their kids out on hikes or fishing or play sports or even just engage them in the, in the, the watching of sports, if that's what they're into, and um, invite them in to that learning process. Um, the... the like today I was working on my car, um, unsuccessfully, I might add, I'm not very good as a mechanic, but you know, I got to try. And so, and I had my kids out there and by and large, they're a hindrance, not a help. But even in that, they learn some stuff. I'm constantly like guarding my tools, trying to make sure they don't walk off with them too far and stuff like that. But they start to hear the terminology, socket wrench, you know, crescent wrench, screwdriver, pliers, things like that. And although those don't seem like they're important things, they're oftentimes not the, they're, they're not the type of things that you learn in books. You might get them on Bob the Builder, but it's different to know what a screwdriver looks like on Bob the Builder and to know how to use a, use a screwdriver. In fact, um, early, later on in the day, after I was working in the car, I come back into the house from somewhere, I forgot where it was. And um, we have, our, one of our back doors has like the window panes in it. And in the, the casing around the window that's inside the door, there's these screws. And, and for some reason, they don't have the little caps on them. Um, our house came that way. Uh, and my almost three-year-old had taken a screwdriver and unscrewed one of those screws at least an inch out of that thing already. I have no idea how he did it. I've never taught him how to use a screwdriver. But he's watched me enough times that he knows how to use it. And those things are important. A lot of what we learn is caught and not taught. Um, Another thing I heard that was, I just thought was amazing to me 
is uh, anthropologists went and were studying the Kalahari Bushmen, which are one of the, the last um, hunter-gatherer groups on the planet. Like they still live by hunting, hunting and gathering. And they followed them around for a while. And, you know, while they were around the campfire or, you know, during the day, whenever it was, it didn't really make a difference. They asked the adults, like, well, when do you teach your kids? And the Bushmen were like, what do, well, what do you mean? Like, they're like, well, when do you teach your kids? When do you, when do, when do you teach them to hunt? When do you teach them to start a fire? When do you teach them what plants to eat and what plants not to eat? When, like, how do you, when and how do you teach them? And they said, we don't. And the anthropologist was like, what, what do you mean you don't teach them? Like, we, we don't teach them. Like, there's no active teaching in their society. There is, we do, they watch, and they learn. And I think we underestimate, um, as a society, I think Western society underestimates just how much children are capable of learning and how quickly they are capable of learning it. Because you have to understand, when you're born into this world, you already know stuff. You already know a ton of stuff. Um, you know, like, for example, um, newborn babies can differentiate between their, their parents' native language and every other language. Like, they, they can tell, oh, they, they babble differently. A, a baby born in a French-speaking household will babble differently than a baby born in a Chinese-speaking household. The speech patterns are different. Like, the babbling is different. Um, they know their parents' voice and any other, any other people that were regularly around during their gestation. Right? And then after that, they don't only, like, learn language and how to walk and how to use their hands and stuff like that. They are literally learning tons of stuff. Like, I recently learned via YouTube, I might add, um, that... Our ears are shaped in such a way that they allow for kind of a three-dimensional or pseudo-three-dimensional um, tracking of objects in, in space, in a sense. That's why, like, if something starts off to your left and then moves from your upper left to your bottom right and your eyes are closed, you can still tell that it's shifting. Um, but that's dependent upon your ear. And if you change the shape of your ear, you will lose some of that ability to place it in space, the sound in space, because your brain is keyed in to your ear shape. And so we learn a ton of stuff and we learn it in everything. We learn culture, cultural norms, what, what food is edible, what food is not edible. And most of that is caught and not taught. And this is where I think dads come in um, particularly because, I mean, there are many couples that do many things in, in common or at the same time or the same thing. I'm in my house, I wash the dishes, but occasionally I wash the clothes, you know, and I fold them, the towels differently than my wife folds the towels and, and those type of things. But there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that only I do. You know, only I go and watch YouTube videos um, like the one I was just mentioning. Only I go down rabbit holes on the internet. Only I will walk, you know, only I have a garden. Um, my wife is around, but she doesn't ever do anything with the garden. And so I get the opportunity to be out there with my boys or with my kids and point out, oh, this is a zucchini. These are tomatoes. These tomatoes are ripe. Those ones are not. Look at this little dot right here. That looks like it's caterpillar poop. So why don't we look on 
the the um, tomato plant for a caterpillar because it's eating the, the bush, you know, stuff like that. Um, we have to water. We don't have to water here. These are the kind of plants. These are needles. Those are leaves. All those type of things, um, depending on what, you know, you or your spouse is like, are great things for the kids to see you do and to be engaged in. And so I just want to encourage the dads are incredibly important because um, they are where we often get our sense. They're where I get, we get our identity, really. And not just from a cultural standpoint, not just from a, a um, you know, patriarchal standpoint. They get our identity from our dad because they're the ones that typically we look to to define us. Now, um, I'm a Christian, and so from a Christian perspective, um, I think that may be part of the reason why God represents himself as male. Uh, it's because identity thing. And if you look at the way the scripture is laid out, it's very similar to that. Like there's a lot of identity in there. You know, you're adopted into his family when you accept Christ. Adopted, not chosen, not made one of the household adopted. You take his name. You become part of his family. And, and you become an heir with Christ, right? And so... That identity extends here on earth too, right? Adam is the one that names Eve. And so be aware of that and encourage, if you're a, a wife, you know, a mother, encourage your, your husband to engage in your kids' lives. Um, and, and let them know, like, ask them, how do you feel about this curriculum or that curriculum? Um, is there any part of this you really are interested in teaching or, or being part of? Would you lead this project or take them on this thing, right? so that they can learn. Will you experience new things with them? Because one of the greatest gifts I think we can give our children is to let them see us fail at times, especially at things that we're not good at, because then they also see us overcome or learn. You know, when I'm out there working on the car, not doing very well, my boys are like, did you fix it? And I'm like, no, I'm not exactly sure what's wrong. I'm going to call someone. But that lets them know that it's okay to fail. And I think that there's a lot to be said for, um, for kids who have that security to know that their dad is there, that their dad is engaged, that their dad cares what goes on in their life, that their dad is um, involved, that even if he's not active in the day-to-day -day teaching, that he still wants to be there, that he still cares what's going on, that he still wants to contribute. Um, I think I mentioned in a previous podcast about how I, I fought with my second or my seventh grade teacher about a math problem, um, about percentages to be exact. And if you haven't heard that story, go back and listen to it. I forgot which episode it was. But um, the, the reason why I think I learned percentages the way that I did is because that's the way my dad taught them. And he taught them years before I got them in seventh grade. And in fact, I think I learned percentages in third or fourth grade. And it was just an extension of some problem I was doing. It's probably a fraction problem I was doing. And my dad just happened to be helping me with my homework, and he then explained further what it was. And so I was able to then, I, I picked it up, I understood it. And then when I got this, you know, seventh grade and they're teaching this thing, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I know how to do this. And so, um, but that's one of those things, like even the working on the car, I still call my dad, you know, and I'm grown and I have a 10 year old, you know, like I still call my dad when I have car problems because he knows more than I do. And I still learn from that. And I think that it's important for us to just, um, as, as humans, as homeschoolers, to support our kids as much as possible. And that means getting everyone on board. You know, if, if grandpa loves to woodwork, send your kids over there every once in a while, boys and girls alike. You know, let them see how to use a saw. Let them, let them touch 
the tools. Um, if they're a fisherman or a golfer or I don't know, I'm not a golfer, but I know people who are, you know, and, and let your kids have as many adults pouring into them as possible, but they definitely need to have their dad or a father figure, if at all possible. Um, not because uh, any of you are not worthy or not able, but just because humans are meant to live in a community. And our society has meant that community as mom and dad and apparently no one else. Um, and I think that that's just ridiculous. I think that the, the Bushmen have it right. And it's better to have a community where there's aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, and, and like friends of the family, those friends that are at, those friends that are family engaged and pouring into your kids um, because it takes all types. You know, you know that your kids know which parent to go to to ask for certain things. Um, and that's the same thing with education and everything else. I uh, you know, may not be able to teach a certain thing, but my dad or my mom or my wife or my brother or my sister, um, they might be able to. And it's not just a benefit to the person receiving the education, it's also a benefit to the person giving the education. And so I'm reminded that encourage, encourage your husbands to step up into that. Um, if you are a dad, uh, be encouraged to step into that, to, to actively participate in your kid's education. And it doesn't have to be academic because the vast majority of life, life is not academic. Every day, most of the stuff we do is not academic. You know, we go to the gym, we drive our car, we cook food, um, we purchase things, and those are not academic skills. We clean things, we work on things, we decorate things. You know, those are not academic skills. They're day-to-day -day skills, and oftentimes they're the most important ones. And so um, just be encouraged that whatever you're passionate about, share that passion. And then when they're passionate about something else, you know, share their passion to the best of your ability. Um, my daughter is into baking. Actually, I'm into baking too. I enjoy baking quite a bit. Um, she likes cakes and cupcakes. I prefer pies um, and bread and stuff like that. But there are times, you know, I have an opportunity to teach her things that I know um, when, you know, she goes to bake. In fact, uh, I want to say it was last year, she decided she wanted to make a, an apple hand pie. If you don't know what a hand pie is, think of like a, a pie crust that you stuff or you, you know, put the stuff in the middle and then fold it over and crimp it down and then bake it. And she wanted to make an apple hand pie and I wanted to eat an apple hand pie. And so she got everything. She made the crust, crust from scratch. She made the, the filling. Um, but then she was having a really hard time um, rolling out the crust dough into the right shape and the right thickness so that she could fold it over and pinch it closed. And she kept begging me to do it for her and I refused. I went over there, I grabbed some, I rolled it out, I made my own. Um, I showed her how to do it. I told her step by step, you know, I let her watch me. And she probably sat there and cried for 15 minutes and then she finally did it. Once and then twice and then three times. And they were never perfect, but she learned that she could do it. And it wasn't because I'm some great teacher and it wasn't because I did it for her. It was because I took the time to go over there, do it myself, let her watch, and then let her do it. Um, my guess is that other parents might have just said, well, if you're not going to do it, you know, throw it all away or get rid of it, or let me just do it for you because I want it done perfectly. 
And we don't learn from perfect. We learn from good enough. And we learn from practice and we learn from failure. And so um, if you're a dad, remember that. If you're a mom, remember that. Um, if you're grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, anyone engaged in this kid's life, you know, sometimes you got to let them fail and then make them go back and fix it and try again and try again and try again and try again. Right? Even the best batters in baseball barely average one out of three, right? Hit a ball one out of three times. Um, and so, and that, that, that makes them a star, a superstar. Same thing with goals and soccer or in hockey, like failure is the norm. Success is a product of practice. So let them practice and, and encourage yourself, encourage the people around you to just be engaged. And especially the fathers, because they need that interaction. Your kids need it. They need the physical interaction. They need the emotional interaction. They need the, the opportunity to learn um, from you dads so that they can, can know that you care and to see that investment. And then to some degree, have an identity given to them by their father. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, uh, please like, subscribe, hit the buttons, write the reviews, those kind of things. Share it with someone else. Also, uh, I have an Instagram account. I haven't done a lot with it, but I'm hoping to soon. It's Homeschooled Podcast. Um, so please go look that up and follow me. Um, I'm still learning Instagram, so bear with me because it's a whole new platform for me, as are most platforms, because I have been a social media recluse or hermit or whatever. I think I had a Facebook that I didn't even create myself. Um, other than that, I hope you have a great day and enjoy everything that you have going on today. I'm sure that you're busy with it being summertime. Have a great day. Bye.